this strong women power hour because it's a glorious hour today this time around is brought to you by strong women co's new program it is the moon program Uh, This program is designed specifically with you in mind. It's designed for you. It's a personalized moon program. You can dive deep, get unblocked, and blast through those barriers. Make room for the new. Whether you're totally new to lunar cycles or you've been interested in them for years, you can do this program wherever you are. This four-week program provides a container in which to experience the whole process of the moon and the whole processes of letting go and planting new. A lot can change in a month. Well, 29 days, 12 hours, and 44 minutes to be exact. That's how long a moon cycle is. And psychologists everywhere agree that fundamental and life-transforming changes in behavior and beliefs can happen in just 28 days. So what's in this program? Well, it's program is a mixture of one-on-one coaching with me, uh, Kelly Hickey, uh, women's empowerment specialist and self-discovery work on your own time. There's digging deep worksheets, a one-on-one coaching and consultation where we'll dive deep and uh, figure out what you need to let go of and what more you want to plant. We'll, I'll do a personalized ritual for the full moon so you can let go and make room for the life that you want. You'll get personalized inf- affirmations to help you on your journey, uh, moon reflection worksheets, and a personalized ritual for the new moon. Uh, also, email support. And, uh, you know, we'll also go through what the moon was like when you were born and what that means for you. And there's an extra bonus that uh, clients are really liking. There's a special bonus of a custom created manifestation script that's using neuro linguistic programming where um, I get all of the data from you and then I sit down, I meditate, and I do up a whole script just on what you need to hear to help you move forward in the path you need. Uh, It's specific to you um, and it is for you. We read it three times or I read it three times to you and then I give you the script to read yourself and record it and listen to it in the next for the next moon cycle. And if you don't think that is effective uh, then I don't know what to tell you. Uh, The uh, evidence is out there. Sports psychologists have been using this for a long long time as well as high-end corporate uh, clients. So why why not you? Why not now? So you can check out strongwomenco.com uh, to check out the personalized moon program. Um, we have a few more days open up for this cycle, but you can get yourself on the wait list for the next month. All right, here we go. But this you just don't get, huh? Lord, let me know if you got us. Preaching about profits. It ain't no one make stop us. Bow down to a goddess. Bow down to a goddess. Bow down to a goddess. It ain't no one man can stop us. Bow down to the goddess. Goddess. Got it. Hello and welcome to the Strong Women Power Half Hour, your podcast to help support and encourage and empower you. I am your host and women's empowerment specialist, Kelly Hickey, and I am so glad you're here with us today. We have an extra special special radio show and podcast for you. We have a uh, one, the wonderful Kathy Moulton. She is a global activist, an organizer, mom, lawyer, entrepreneur, yoga teacher, and a displaced Newfoundlander living in Milan, Italy. Uh, but before we get to her, uh, why don't we 
do a little announcement. Uh, we'll talk about uh, come join us uh, at Strong Women Co. on Facebook or Instagram. There's always awesome, empowering things happening there. We also have the Strong Women Co. Tribe, which is a tribe. It's totally free online community of women coming together to support one another through the wonderful but sometimes challenging journey of womanhood. And before we get into the crux of the podcast radio show today, let's do what we usually do. Let's take that breath all together, wherever you are right now, even if you're driving, just think about how you can gather yourself up, all those little fragmented pieces of yourself. And we're going to take a nice deep breath in through the nose together. We're going to hold it for a second and then let it out. A beautiful communal community breath to give us a little bit of peace and remind our bodies that everything is just totally fine. And we'll go breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. Do you want to do one more of those? Let's do one more of those. Close your eyes if you can. In through the nose and hold. Out through the mouth. <sighs> and there we go. Let's get into it. And here we are. Well, welcome, Kathy. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for those breaths. We like the breaths, don't we? I, it, do it's, love. It, I, I love the breaths. You're a yoga teacher. You, you, you get it. Um, uh, so we're doing a little something different today. Um, Kathy has uh, her own business uh, that she uh, co-founded with another woman, uh, Kalila. We're going to get to that in a moment. But we're going to be sharing this uh, podcast with the Strong Women Co. radio uh, and podcast audience and also with her community or their community, the Kalila community. Uh, so just just for those folks at the Kalila community to uh, say a little bit about myself. So uh, as I said, my name is Kelly Hickey. I'm a women's empowerment specialist. I live in St. John's, Newfoundland with my partner and rambunctious, spirited, amazing toddler uh, and a dog named Daisy. Uh, Strong Women Co. is a multi-service business that helps women be their strongest, happiest, and healthiest selves. It's my soul's calling. It's uh, what I'm here on this earth to do. I love it. We do one-on-one group and group coaching coaching. Uh, we do women's empowerment workshops uh, with individuals and also at the corporate level. And we have a wonderful online community, the Strong Women Code Tribe. I had just brought up, you can just find us, just search Strong Women Code Tribe uh, on Facebook and you'll find us right away. So that is me. And please let me now introduce my esteemed guest. I'm so excited to have her here. Um, this is uh, Kathy. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you so much. I'm very excited to be here as well. Oh, good. Oh, good. Uh, Kathy and I are a bunch of Gabby Hayes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> we do like to talk uh, and we, we are very passionate about what I think we just live pedal to the metal in our hearts. Yeah, I think it's the best way to live. I feel like if you are um, living your fullest self, living your truest self and just, you know, being like, yeah, that's who I am. I'm a talker. You'll you'll just 
be happy in every situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Acknowledge and, and go for it. This is who I am. That, that's, that's a great perspective. That's a really uh, <laughs> awesome perspective. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's let our listeners know, Kathy, about yourself. Sure. So please let uh, us know how you became the woman you are today. Okay, well, as you said, I'm from Newfoundland. I grew up... Uh, Kind of a split between CBS, Conception Bay South, and then in St. John's. Um, I'd say who I am today, there are a few uh, key things, moments in my life. Um, in actually this building, we're in at CHMR uh, radio station. Shout today. out to CHMR. <laughs> 93.5 FM. 93.5, there we are. Um, I attended Memorial University years ago, and I was uh, always an avid volunteer. I volunteered at St. Clair's Hospital for many, many years. Um, and one of the places I decided to volunteer with was Students for Literacy, which at that time was a project of Frontier College. Frontier College is a national literacy organization that is based out of Toronto. And I, I decided that I wanted to apply and become a labor teacher. And the labor teacher program has been around for over 100 years. Um, it's basically a program that works with migrant workers, uh, farm workers specifically now. Um, so I applied and I lived in Leamington, Ontario for two summers. Um, and I think it was a really eye-opening experience for me. I had always volunteered and been really uh, you know, big on being part of the community and helping out in any way I could. Um, but I think it was the first time when I was first uh, at the training even surrounded by you know, 30, 40 young activists who were very very well informed very passionate um a lot of the training that we did was very intense uh and I, I got to see basically that you know the world is not such a fair and great place all of the time so kind of mm -hmm. opened my eyes to the, the the injustices that were going on in the world and it gave me sort of the power and the capacity to do something about it uh, working in the outreach center in in uh, leamington was just an amazing experience. I think in those two summers alone, I got experience in you know working with the media, uh, working with uh, different uh, groups of people from different countries. You know, I taught uh, people from Mexico, the Caribbean. I worked with Canadian families. I worked with uh, Mennonite families. I also worked in the outreach program with uh, Canadians from very different backgrounds. So it was extremely eye-opening for me, and it it brought me back to I, I basically went for the first summer and then I worked in northern Quebec and then I worked the sum, second summer and then I came back to Newfoundland and I was a changed person it really set me on the path uh, on which I am today uh, I continued to work with nonprofits, and um, then I really really wanted to see the other side I was had gone from community development to international development and I really wanted to see what uh, the programming was like on the other side of the pond shall we say mm -hmm. um, and I applied for a job with CUSO which uh, is a Canadian organization now the the cheesy slogan for CUSO when people ask what does CUSO stand for uh, is we stand for people because it used to stand for Canadian, I think it's Canadian University Services Overseas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, it's another organization that's been around for, well, I think, since the 1960s. And it's a really interesting uh, program because 
its focus is not on youth or uh, young graduates. The focus is much more on professionals, uh, people with specific skills, trades, and they do a lot of uh, what they call north-south exchanges or south-south exchanges. And basically, if you go on the CUSO website, which is CUSO.ca, uh, you find actual job listings. No, they're, they're not called job listings. They're called volunteer opportunities, obviously, but they are much like a job listing where you have to have certain criteria. Um, you know, they're not just sending anybody who wants to go overseas into a placement that you have to meet the specific skill set they're looking for. And I was fortunate enough to meet the skill set for the job that I applied for, which was um, English and computer skills teacher at a post-secondary education center for civil engineers. So basically, um, when I was hired, I went off at the nice young age of 23 mm. to Burkina Faso uh, by myself. Now, and where is that exactly? So Burkina Faso is uh, in between Ghana, uh, Nigeria, Niger, Mali. It's a landlocked country in West Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a beautiful country. I had an amazing experience there. Um, and I think I realized that I wanted to do more. Uh, I wanted to take what I uh, have, was realizing I was good at and uh, what I needed to improve on. I wanted to go home, uh, study some more, get some more credentials behind me, learn a little bit more. Um, and I found that I wanted to work a little bit more locally uh, with my community. Mm -hmm. I think I found uh, community development uh, a little bit more satisfying and a little bit more uh, in line with my skill set than sort of an international development at that time. But that must have certainly seasoned you. Yes, I was. I was wonderful. I mean, the. I think when you're open to it, the amount you can learn from experiences can be tremendous. Mm -hmm. So, um, my contract was for two years. I was there for 14 months, uh, mostly because the way that the school worked at the time, my teaching hours uh, were very little towards the second year. So I finished the first year. I went back to teach in the second year. Um, and I could finish my teachable hours. I know usually here you would you would do your teachables over the whole year. I was able to teach my section in a very short amount of time, and I didn't feel that it was right for me to stay in country, uh, getting my stipend, having my housing paid for, if I wasn't contributing at the level of which I believe a CUSO cooperant should contribute. So I, uh, I came home. Uh, before I did that, though, I did apply. Uh, I was applying to law school, so I wrote. I took my LSAT um, in Ghana. So the LSAT is the exam, the entrance exam required for law school. Mm -hmm. So I traveled from uh, Ouagadougou or Kaya, which is where I lived, down to Accra in Ghana, and uh, that was where I took my LSAT exam. <laughs> it was very interesting, also, that experience. I would say. Um, my, my choice was trying to you know, decide between law and social work, and I decided on law. And, and from there, I moved uh, to Fredericton, New Brunswick, and went to UNB Law. Uh, had an amazing time at UNB Law. Worked with uh, the Fredericton Legal Advice Clinic. I uh, worked with NB Pro Bono. I managed. Um, uh, Pro Bono Students Canada volunteer program learned an ex an extreme amount. I I loved law school. I loved the people that I went to law school with. Came back to Newfoundland for uh, my articling year and worked at Legal Aid here in St. John's. I uh, was very fortunate to work with uh, a great woman, 
and uh, learned a lot from that experience. And actually, uh, I became pregnant with my first child while I was working at Legal Aid. Um, And so I was very, very, very lucky uh, from that because my boss was such a wonderful human being that when I told her I was pregnant, she, uh, I don't think you could respond better than how (laughs) my former boss responded. She's very supportive. Um, And I guess another factor in how I've become, or another you know, how I became who I am today was moving to where I now live, which is Milan, Italy, and sort of starting over uh, and building my myself and my career back up from from that. And why, why did, what brought you to? So my, my partner, my husband, is Italian. And we met uh, eight years ago, randomly. Um, and uh, when... When Lila, when I was pregnant with Lila, I had a, as I said, a contract with Legal Aid that's, that finished uh, right around when she was born. So I decided to uh, move to Italy with him. He was starting his uh, business at that time. And uh, of course we moved there and, you know, kind of not never came back, but never came back <laughs> officially. Uh, we just come back to visit. Um, and as you alluded to, I am very much of a, a talker. Uh, it has uh, always been something that's been very important to me. It always has always factored into what I've been doing. So, I, you know, as an activist, using my voice, using my words to share and empower and educate not only myself but others. Uh, as a teacher as well, uh, standing in front of a group of people, using my voice, my language to communicate and and you know get across what the the material i'm familiar with all of this yes (laughs) as a lawyer i mean what else what more do you use in that profession if not your communication skills um and so moving to italy of course a, a country in which i did not speak the language um was a big challenge now i had you know working with migrant workers the the language we predominantly used was Spanish because we're working with Mexican migrant workers a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Also in Burkina Faso, it was all French-based. And so, you know, my life went from being completely in English to being completely in French. And then, I, but I think, you know, Italy was an extra challenge because when we showed up, I'll never forget the conversation, you know, with David, who was a bit terrified, like, you know, I know you've traveled and and whatnot in life, but, you know, people really don't speak English in, in Italy. <laughs> and I was like, of course they do. He's like, but they really don't like be prepared we get there and it was like wow people okay really really don't speak English (laughs) and for for me it was really important as I'm sure a lot of your listeners can relate to you know I had spent a a very large portion of my life um, becoming uh, skilled and educated and having uh, being able to express myself in a certain way Mm -hmm. and uh to then be in a position where you can't express yourself. I, not that you can't express yourself. Not but to the same level. Not to the same level, not yeah. in the same way, yeah. not having the same work opportunities and whatnot, uh, not being viewed in the same light was very challenging for me. And I'm very proud of um, being able to enter that situation. And, you know, I'm still on my way out on the other side, but. Now I feel I'm very proud and very happy of where I am in my life in Milan and and what I'm able to 
how I'm able to interact with people and my sort of work and job life and family life. It's you got a lot to be proud of, sister. So this is a great time for you to start talking about uh, Kalila. Yes. So, so, so what is Kalila? So Kalila is... First of all, I guess the website is uh, kalila.co.uk. It's K-A-L-I-L-A.co.uk. Yes. So Kalila has been a part of my life for such a long time now. Um, it started... Uh, with an idea. I've always been uh, into yoga. I'm a big runner. I've been running for, I guess, half of my life now or over half my life. I've been running since I was about 15, I guess. Um, And when I was pregnant, uh, I couldn't find the running clothing that I was looking for. And it's really funny because I work on Kalila. Kalila is a project that I share with my uh, very lovely business partner, Claire Claire Sambolino. we hadn't yet met, but we kind of had these two parallel experiences. I was in Newfoundland, which, as some of your listeners can probably appreciate, uh, doesn't have the best weather. And, uh, you know... We uh, have had a gorgeous summer, though. We have had a great had a summer. Gorgeous summer. That's, but, a real, that's a Newfoundlander in me. It's like, you've got to give the shout-outs to the, the shout weather out. gods exactly. when it's good. Yeah. Um, that year when I was, pre- I remember, we you know, we found out we were pregnant. It was September, October. And I remember my partner at the time being like, you know, oh, I'm a little bit worried about, you know, like running in the winter and it's, you know, I run in the mornings and it's dark. And and I was just kind of shocked that uh, a running jacket in maternity was not available. Like I, you know, I researched running while pregnant. I knew I could do it. I wanted to do it. I was uh, physically able to do it. You know, not everyone is mm-hmm, able mm-hmm. To, to keep running. I was fortunate. I was able to keep running. But you know, I was wearing, you know, my uh, friend's ex-boyfriend's extra large jacket with reflective tape <laughs> on the back that I, you know, bought from the hardware store and was taping to my jacket so people could see me um, just because there was nothing that would that would fit me. Um, and I just couldn't believe that this project hadn't already existed. But of course, you know, I was in Newfoundland. I was working prominently as a lawyer at that time. So it didn't really seem like a feasible life goal. And then when we moved to Italy and I was coming, I was, you know, working at a law firm and kind of feeling out what I was going to do. Uh, my now husband, David, was really encouraging. He was like, you know, you should you should think about this if it's something you really want to do. And I thought, well, if I can't make it happen here in Milan... I'll, you know, mm-hmm, I'll mm-hmm. never be able to never. make it happen. Yeah. So fashion, I, fashion capital <laughs> exactly. of the world. Fashion yeah. capital. Uh, and I decided to go for it. You know, we we added on a few other components to just the, the maternity clothes. But at the same time, when I was deciding that this was something I wanted to pursue, I met Claire and I kind of told her a little bit about my ideas. You know, I'd have a website. I guess I was also sort of not just the clothing. I, I think I got a – I've been in um, – as well as being in all the other sectors. I've also been very, very involved in health and women's health and fitness for a long time. Uh, it's always been an interest of me, more of my spare time. Mm-hmm. And I guess with having my first child, I kind of got a, sort of got sick of the rhetoric of, or being told by you know magazines and whatnot, how I'm supposed to look or how I'm supposed to you know mm-hmm. treat my body, yep. how women are supposed to like, you know, you know, you read all these articles that are mostly are, are fake advice about how to lose weight or how to get in shape. Yeah. And, I, and I think I, I are, you know, Claire and I both, we really just want to, to revolutionize the way that we approach women's health. Mm. We are tired of being, you know, sold these ideas. Um, 
about how to get yourself in shape and why you should get yourself in shape and so we don't we don't embrace that in Kalila and we embrace you know you being you being healthy for you um solid advice real advice to try to get women to where they want to be um and families to to where they want to be health-wise so when I met Claire Claire was uh had gone through a very very similar thing in her pregnancy she's a big uh, trekker power walker and she also couldn't find the technical clothing that she needed to get her through she's very much in the mountains and same thing we were both um uh growing out of our clothing we mm-hmm. were going, our, we were going beyond what our clothing could offer us uh and so we sat down and decided to to power up to team up for kalila um and it's grown it's a very big project what does kalila mean so where did the name come from kalila uh it means dearly loved i found it on a baby name website mm-hmm. honestly uh, it is a combination, a little bit of Kathy and Lila, so mm-hmm. my daughter's first name, uh, Kalila. And then Claire and I both really liked what it means, dearly mm-hmm. loved, uh, beloved. Uh, and that's kind of how we want mothers to view themselves, mm. that, that, you know, we are dearly loved. We love ourselves. Um, it's everything that we embrace at, at Kalila. Um, and so Kalila, you talk about Kalila as a person. Yes. And that's what I think is, is, is so cool. And, and actually Strong Woman Co., I, I feel Strong Woman Co. has a soul very, yes. very distinct. And sometimes I have to listen to what that yes. soul wants. Um, <laughs> it's funny because I hadn't really talked to anyone else about uh, about that. But there, this is an entity, right? Like yes. you, you also talk about Kalila like, you know, it's a child. And I call Strong Woman Co. Yes. My, my second born. You would be, I guess, in between a couple of your kids. But, <laughs> but so Kalila, uh, of course, is a really ambitious project so and 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 it's kind of funny and I think you were right when you were saying people get a little bit overwhelmed when you try to explain it but it's kind of how I am with Strong Women Co too I mean where I see Strong Women Co going is a women's empowerment lifestyle brand yes with all kinds of products and I I feel like you're very similar Uh, so you do talk about Clela like a person who has a body mind and soul tell us about that so the body is the sportswear that we've created. So Claire and I wanted to create active wear uh, for maternity and beyond that a woman could buy or a, a new mom could buy uh, that would take you from pregnancy to after, that would fit, that was comfortable, that was technical, that was uh, help, had safety features. The jacket and the pants that we've developed, which are available for sale on kalila.co.uk, uh, have been an extremely long project and I could talk about that for days everything we've been through but that's the sort of body of Kalila her active wear her line Kalila wear we call it the mind is the website that we have so if you go to kalila.co.uk you can find articles podcasts videos interviews um, recipes all focused on pregnancy motherhood life with a new baby you know, it has a real focus on, you know, motherhood and family life, new family life. So this isn't just for someone who has a brand new baby. This could be helpful to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and uh, just In, along there. I mean, we are focused on motherhood. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have a natural progression from 
people who want to be pregnant or who are thinking about being pregnant. So there's stuff on conception, fertility. Cool, and I didn't then, know that. Yeah, cool. and then there's um, pregnancy in and of itself, <laughs> which <laughs> is a very lovely but sometimes difficult. Challenging. Yes, 40-week journey. Um, and then there's the post part, so life as a new mom. And it's obviously also very you know, health and fitness focused, but we, we really strive and we're very serious and very um, focused on making sure that it's, there's no like, you know, you'll never find quick fixes on Cully Light. It's right, not a right. five steps to a six pack type website. Right. Um, and there's a shop where you can buy not only the Cully clothing, but also our services. So if somebody wants a personalized uh, training session with me or with a uh, Claire is a nutritional therapist and a life coach and a lot of other great, amazing things. They could access her services online. But then the, my favorite part uh, has always been Kalila's soul, and that is uh, the Kalila Foundation. And the Kalila Foundation came about because both Claire and I have always been very community development based. Mm-hmm. And uh when I came home from Burkina Faso and after I was working with CUSO, I was working with the Atlantic Council for International Cooperation. Uh, and this was one of the kind of, uh, I guess, I don't want to say triggers, but one of the main factors. And when I was developing Kalila, what I was thinking about uh, with the foundation, you know, we we're always striving to find funding. And anyone who's worked with any project, even if it's just, you know, like a soccer team, uh, getting money to grow your programming to grow your project is so hard and it's mm-hmm. always going back to the government for money and i really wanted to we both wanted to make a social enterprise uh where we could be using the profits that we were getting from Kalila and investing them in maternal health projects we didn't want to create mental, uh, maternal health projects we don't want to create um clinics and projects for those already exist those already exist and people are doing amazing work all over the world uh what we want to do is be able to be a source of funding for them a source of um support um also you know to use the the money that we hope kalila can make to for good not just for you know our own benefits so the Kalila Foundation has this as its goal to be able to use the money. Uh, uh, and we also do fundraise separately uh, because, of course, we're still at a very small startup phase with Kalila. So we haven't we don't have the we haven't generated the sales uh, that we'd like in order to be able to invest in a Th- lot of things. Projects. Take time. Things take time. Things take time. But when, in the meantime, what we are doing is doing events as Kalila. Mm-hmm. So last year, uh, Claire uh, hiked to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. Very cool. And she raised uh, money for uh, an organization that works with uh, postpartum mental health. Uh, and so the money that was raised for her to, ta- to climb to the top of Kilimanjaro went to a really, really great organization in the UK working with new moms on uh, postpartum depression. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, and so also this year we are starting a new running group for moms. We're going to run the Milan Marathon as a team and we're going to raise money for a maternal health project that uh, we'll decide in September with all the moms. That's so fun. And you have a storefront too of an actual Yes, so my other, my, other, my other life, I also yeah. run a store. <laughs> yeah. I love the name of the store. What's it called? Uh, it's called The Milk Bar. And tell us a little bit about that. Uh, the Milk Bar is a shop that's been open in Milan for a while. We uh, sell maternity clothes. We sell breastfeeding clothes. And we also run courses. So 
all your typical courses for new uh, and soon-to-be moms, birth courses. Um, I teach yoga there. I teach pregnancy yoga, mama baby yoga. Uh, we have doulas. We have midwives. We've got everything. It's just also a great place in, in Milan where you can stop in, feed your baby, change your baby. Oh, it sounds like a wonderful hub. It's, so, it's so nice. Why maternal health? Why? Because that seems you, you, you're a woman of uh, a plethora of interests yes. <laughs> and um, have, you know, done the international thing, done the law thing. Um, what was it about maternal health that you're like, OK, this is going to be my focus right now? I guess um, in part becoming a mother myself mm-hmm. um, was definitely a factor in it. Uh, I think I've always been drawn to work with other women. Mm-hmm. I like the energy that comes from working with other women. And I think um, I think a lot of times maternal health is overlooked. Yeah, very true. Uh, I think even if you look at statistics coming out of the U.S. about maternal death rates, um, and even, you know, ask a group of moms about their birth stories and see Uh how many of them have uh kind of i want to say tragic stories to tell you know trauma have experienced trauma no we don't want to scare no (laughs) this is always uh, the caution that i always have when talking about one's own experience particularly birth stories because i had been horrified yes too afraid yes. to have um, labor because of it. But yes, I, I do hear what you're saying that... Um, I don't mean physical trauma necessarily, but... But sometimes that happens. Yes. No, I, the, uh, what I'm going to guess I'm trying to get at is um, working towards a more empowered birth. Definitely. Instead, because, you know, crap's going to happen. Yes. Um, but uh, that, and honestly, uh, even when in my personal case, in my birth story where I was totally planning on having a home birth and everything was totally planned and we had paid out of pocket for a midwife and a doula Mm -hmm. uh, because that's how I wanted I wanted my woman self to give birth to my baby (laughs) I was like didn't even really want to go to a doctor barely like because I was just like you guys you guys get us all whipped up into a frenzy for nothing and I know I could I could I had a really good connection with Violet in my belly and um, uh, what was so funny was a couple of days before she was born we found out instead of her being in the most perfect position ever, I didn't even cross my legs after I found out I was pregnant to not shorten my yeah. my bowel, my uh, pelvic sort of, yeah. uh, pelvis so, it was, so she would be in the right position. I found out that she was breech and that her head was pretty much stuck up underneath my ribs. So, of course, we had done, I did everything. We did everything. I was upside down on an ironing board with like cold peas at the bottom of my belly oh my. And, a, and a flashlight up here. I mean, like, come on, baby. I did, you know, acupuncture. I did everything. all, but I'd already been doing all of it anyway. Yeah. So, um, uh, I did end up having to have an emergency C-section. Uh, it was after my water broke and merconium and all mm-hmm. that. So it was actually a really easy decision versus yes. a harder kind yes. of like. Um, but uh, even though that was a potentially traumatic experience for me because I did not want the patriarchal medical system coming in, but pregnancy makes you surrender to your hardest, deepest fears, yes. it wasn't traumatic because I had worked so hard for it to be empowering. Yes, and I had uh, I had a whole birth team around me. Yes, um, that were kind of like just like watching out for me, yeah. so that when I knew I had to go get my C section, I was like, I'm not worrying now. Yeah, <laughs> you guys handle that. But um, yeah, I had been kind of terrified. Yeah, I've I've worked now for a good number of years with uh, lots of women in the motherhood 
want to say sector to call it that so I, industry industry <laughs> industry, industry. Ter- 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 <laughs> um the commodification of i i i've come to a point where like i really you know i get a sort of a little tired because i i, I really wish that if if we could all just you know say um I don't want to say mind your own business because there is a place and we definitely For need advocacy. Yeah. We definitely need to, you know, push uh, because, you know, you know, people promote breastfeeding because, you know, they want us to support the benefits of breastfeeding. That's not to say that bottle feeding is bad. You know, I wish we could get to a point where we could talk about the benefits of something without then having to, to run the risk of making other people feel bad you know i have run a space where it's a it's a definitely no judgment no judgment allowed um it, you know it's called the milk bar but i always tell people it's not called the breast milk bar um because i just want you to come in and feel loved mm-hmm. um and i think there's such an, a, a need for it and it makes me you know it makes me sad when i think about it when i when i if you have a group of 20 women and you start talking to them about their experiences, you know, um, being a woman, being a mother, uh, not being a mother, uh, you know, becoming a mother and not necessarily wanting to, wanting to be a mother, not becoming to, you know, or any of these things, you know, a lot of women will come back eventually and say, you know, have the same sentiment, which is I feel judged Mm. or I feel mistreated at some point and it's not something that everyone necessarily walks around and says you know oh i'm a mother i feel judged or i'm a woman i feel judged but you know we all have that it's a common thread unfortunately Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i just um i've i feel very drawn to working into that to help alleviate some of that judgment to kind of remove it and to help help mothers and women feel good i mean my favorite class to teach has been and always i think will be is mom and baby yoga because oh yeah i love it I get to work with a group of women and they come to class and they're so used to being out in society and having and worrying about, oh, what if the baby cries or what if the baby makes a yeah, scene yeah. or, you know, what if people look bad at me and, you know, the, you know, I always ask me like, oh, but what if the baby cries? And I say like, well, the baby cries, you know, yeah, if the baby cries during Sometimes. yoga, the, the baby cries. Yeah. And, and uh, I'm like, you don't. I don't care. I'm yeah. the teacher. I don't care. Uh, all of the other women in class are mothers. They don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to leave. You, your baby does a huge, you know, blowout di- diaper. You don't yeah. have to go anywhere. In Nobody's. fact, it will happen. <laughs> and it, it, you know, I get, I have a little teeny tiny opportunity where I can tell people, uh, particularly mothers, you don't have to worry life goes on you're going to be okay your baby is going to be okay even if your baby cries even if your baby does everything it's not supposed to do in a yoga class even if you only get five minutes of yoga in it's all okay you can come you'll feel you know you're accepted you're loved nobody's going to tell you to leave nobody's going to give you a bad look and i i think that it really helps you know it, it it's sort of like my little in, women empowering well just, just yeah <laughs> for the no, week you know yeah, exactly and and personally for me my pre and post uh natal yoga ha- were so crucial in me developing community mm-hmm. 
and just kind of understanding. Um, I remember being in the prenatal, of course, we're all kind of just strangers, yeah. but you know, but then you're going through this and you know, there's some women that are like further mm-hmm. ahead or not. And so you're exchanging these things and talks of doctor's appointments and, and there's at least that kind of community just to discuss these yeah. different things going on or share different ta- things to do when you got heartburn or it was just mm-hmm. this, this kind of like wealth of knowledge and common experience that I really appreciated. And then, um, cause I, I was working with mostly men at the time mm-hmm. and, uh, they literally did not know what or to do or say with me, you know, it was, uh, but then at, when I went to postnatal and I had, uh, Violet with me, it was, uh, I remember it started in January. She was born in November and we pretty much just hibernated. Right. And mm-hmm. I would only leave. And what was great about, uh, the city we live in now, there was like three prenatal baby yogas or postnatal baby yogas I could have went to like and I did at yeah. least two a week and and um uh I would get it would make me get out of the house yes and I would walk because yes. we live in a place where and, and I'd walk there and I'd be there with those other mamas mm-hmm. and it would it was just such a great it was a relief yes. but beyond that I made lifetime friends yes and baby friends like uh, like child friends for for my my child so it was extremely valuable and it's one thing that I recommend to all moms or moms to be is uh, the pre and the post if it's available at yes. all and like it, like you said it's not necessarily about the yoga although the yoga really 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 <laughs> helps <laughs> uh, but it is mostly um, for people uh, who might not be in this necessarily yoga lifestyle yeah. it's community mm-hmm. and storytelling and togetherness and just that sisterly motherly yeah also like just shock especially yeah. first off you know like this kind of like you know at, at two months or whatever when women first start in when the baby's two months old the shock's worn off a little bit but mm-hmm. it's still kind of shocking right like to it have is. this and and it was the going out and bringing Violet into those uh, yoga classes was some of the first bringing her out in the public I did. So mm-hmm. it was the first breastfeeding in public sure. I did. And so it, it was a really good baby step for yes. me. Um, yes. To it. So thank you so very, very much for the work you do. Uh, it is so huge. I actually have a couple of courses I've already written up for women for posts and about their birth stories and healing yeah. from all that. Oh, I didn't even talk to you about that. We have so much we have to talk to. Well, if I could, if I can say one thing, I mean, especially if there are uh, yoga, other yoga teachers or anyone who's considering working in the sector, for, for me, I've always found it, maybe it's because I'm a linguist at heart, but I always really try to get, to get my uh, language and my reactions down. So like, you know, I never, I never, when I'm telling people about the course description, I never say you can breastfeed your baby Mm -hmm. I would say Mm -hmm. you can feed your baby right right you know yeah and I think uh a lot of times you know like I I always try to not to have any sort of like expression on my face of like everything's always just cool like you're neutral girl yeah like and I think that we I I was telling you the first time we met about we we met for the first time at a coffee shop here in St. John's and that was the first place that I publicly breastfed my daughter and I was expecting people to like you know say something or look at me or have a reaction and I just remember you know there was like a couple people in the shop and nobody even like Cares. cared no <laughs> and yeah. I I always feel so you know uh sad for women or for you know even for parents in general when they feel uh like they're in a situation where they could be judged like everybody you kind of you're like you're a 
you're afraid like you're waiting for it yeah i could go on a whole diatribe about that this yeah. <laughs> because i was made feel such powerful language what had been introduced to me through media and stories and mm-hmm. all of this was uh that someone could say something to me at some point about me feeding my baby yeah and uh because of that and because i am who i am i was just on guard and yeah. i was on the defense and i was just like you know who would ever say anything to me anyway the way i the way i carry by myself about the world but um uh i had this kind of like hard exterior like try me yeah. Tr- try and say something to me and i had that air about me and you know i never had one one person ever i mean yeah. uh and uh, it was all and if anyone was usually a little old lady saying oh i remember and it brings me back yeah. and it's just really sweet but uh the hundreds of millions of times that women whip out their breasts to feed in babies and there's no kind of situation that doesn't make the news what makes the news is the time this douchebag or you know this ignorant person uh you know says these and these things do come on like i'm I'm not saying and they and they have happened to a couple of my friends yes but uh it's again one of those things of um uh you're hearing about someone else's horrific or or troubling or challenging experience and then you're wondering okay well i i've got to be prepared uh for this if it happens but it's 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 literally ridiculous and it's just an uh, indicator of the patriarchy Mm. first of all it's not breastfeeding we're not feeding breasts it's baby right like i just think even when i hear it was like bottle feeding breastfeeding it's like i don't know man you're just feeding a baby yeah and uh you know it's just utterly absolutely ridiculous the sexualization of women's breasts and that you know for them to be out uh, you know it's it's extremely frustrating and disturbing and um you know i can't believe we're still here yeah well we have a little card actually that i i can't claim uh that i made it up i took it from a shop in Australia when I was there a long time ago or not that long I guess a few years ago Uh, and it's basically a card that says thank you for feeding your baby in public you are you may be helping uh, a new mom (gasps) who would otherwise feed their baby in a hot car or (sighs) in a bathroom Uh, thank you for you know and I think that these cards are are great to give out to moms who are breastfeeding or bottle feeding because yeah. people are afraid now, unfortunately, yeah. Yeah. we're afraid to do either. No, the shame. <laughs> we're like, yeah. what do I do, you know? And I I always think, um, you know, it's the same thing as when you, you know, you hear somebody getting upset, like you don't know what's behind. Like if you hear someone shouting or hear someone on the phone, you know, or you see someone like, you're always going to take a minute and say like, you have no idea the backstory to that person uh, we're all so ready to like I want to put quotations on help or jump in or intervene or talk to people and sometimes I think now we could just take a step back and be like maybe all that person needs is just to be left alone for a second I'm, I'm all about trusting women <laughs> you know? how about you just trust that woman to yeah. know what she's doing so I just we have this card and we just sort of like we have them at the shop so people can take them and sometimes if I'm walking around and I see someone feeding I'll just like slip it on the table and then kind of walk away I want some of those cards yes. Kathy I want some yes. of those cards they're really time. great they're really great. well it actually kind of just goes hand in hand with some cards that I wanted to ha- may have done up for a strong women co anyway of like just like spreading the love of like that is an awesome outfit today or you know what I mean like yeah and like because you can see someone when when I'm staring at someone it's usually because like I like that shoes and she got this <laughs> together and that outfit and oh my god and I you know today. and sometimes like I want to like stop and be like hey but again giving that little card I think is that little unobtrusive yeah. Uh, way and then they got something and it's like oh 
remember? Oh, look what yeah. someone gave me today. So uh, I don't know. I think there's something there that we could do, Kathy. And uh, <laughs> if we can get some of those cards, I mean, um, we'll, we'll figure something out. For sure. But so thank you so for all the work that you do. Uh, thank you for sharing your story. Um, and so just a last shout out. It is Kalila.co.uk. Kalila.co.uk. Now you can shop if you're out there, if you're... Uh, an athleisure wear, athletic wear lover, if you're a fitness person or a runner or you just want to look sporty, um, you can buy directly from us at kalila.co.uk. We ship in uh, the UK, we ship in Europe. We uh, will now soon be shipping in Canada as well. Uh, and you can buy that from our, us directly on our website. We are on Amazon uh, UK. We also sell through Mia Tango Maternity, if you're listening uh, and you want to shop in the U.S., so that's our our first online shop that we've partnered with. If you know of any maternity shops, any of your listeners have maternity shops or would like to Ooh, yeah. uh, distribute or sell Kalila, we are always looking for new partners. Uh, so that's how you can get your hands on some great Kalila gear. Very, very cool. Uh, big support of that. And one thing I wanted to mention when we were discussing earlier is um, having the clothes ethically made is something that's important to you guys. Yes. So you have done your due diligence um, on that. And uh, we can leave manufacturer clothing yeah. to another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I learned a lot, uh, but that was great. So I want to thank you. So to thank you, I have two things for you. I have, you're getting one of the goddess bracelets that are, are going to be on the website. Um, that you, the one you have is uh, the purple with amethyst. And it's very beautiful. I'm loving uh, it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm kind of in love with mine as well. And actually, Violet, my little one, has been wearing her own. Aww. And honestly, I'm really proud because she's been wearing it like through the splash pads and the playgrounds and... Perfect. It's a little scratch, but I mean, this is a toddler wearing it for oh, like okay. six, seven days straight now. So, so I'm pretty proud of it. Uh, so, yeah, um, perhaps you can put that as some kind of social media post to show the prettiness will. of it. Um, of course, the goddess being like ancient goddess, their mo- mother goddess of what uh, what we used to worship before the patriarchy, the life giving, life birth, regeneration um, of women and Mother Earth and the connections of that. But I also have this for you. This is a book called Catching the Light. It's by Susan Sinnott. Um, I, Susan was sitting at a table at a local bookstore the other day when I went in. And I walked by her and she had this lovely smile. And there was just something about, my, about her that my soul was like, go talk to that woman. Aww. Go talk to that woman. And I talked to her and then she started telling me about it. So it's a local woman, uh, lives in, Saint, in Newfoundland. And um, this is a, a book about... Um, starts off with a little girl named Kathy really? uh, but uh, she is, can't read oh okay and uh, she can't read because of a learning disability in the 90s but she's an incredible artist and she oh. sees things through lines and colors and all of this so she's like trying to mitigate you know failing grade seven again but she's like this genius with drawing and and uh and it also there's an echoes of a story of a of a of a, a young man who seems to has everything on the go but he gets into a, a car accident and they're both kind of like in this similar kind of feeling their way out towards their own dreams and it's just really beautifully written it's just one of those things one of those books that's a good summer kind of read of like like you just sit down and you're like oh sugar that's 10 pages in and I've got you know so this is for you I actually got her to sign it too it says for Kathy uh from Susan Sinnott it's a shout out so Catching the Light by Susan Sinnott you can get it as S-I-N- 
I'm so bad at spelling S-I-N-N-O-T-T I'm sure you can get it at Amazon or whatever big shout out to Susan Uh, she wanted a a link to hear this podcast as well Uh, but with the whole literacy piece and all that that's what it was like buy this book for Kathy this is amazing I'm so touched thank you so much I just know my family's gonna hate me because now I'm I'm gonna read this book (laughs) in probably two days and be unavailable to them (laughs) well I was thinking if you wanted to save it for when you're back in Milan and looking for a little taste of Newfoundland um maybe that's a great idea maybe maybe you could uh you could do that but uh much mega thanks and uh love talking to you Kathy I love the work you're doing um you're a sister after my own heart of just fellow empowerment warrior thank you for having me I was I've been so inspired and so impressed by the work that you guys have been doing at Struggle Women Co you in particular that when I was home I just knew that we needed to be in touch Mm -hmm. and I think that Strong Women Co is is just an amazing uh, project endeavor and life goal that you're accomplishing right before our very eyes thank you so much (laughs) blushing now all right peace out and uh, next time you're back we'll definitely uh, have you on but you and I girlfriend we got work to do So you're uh, you're uh, breastfeeding, yes. And 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 it's such a weird thing that people have such strong opinions about breastfeeding. It's I like know. you, it's a child and needs and to eat, need and to you're eat. breastfeeding. Yeah. And and yet, th- that's another thing that you can get your feelings hurt because people just have strong opinions about strong that. Strong opinions about things that don't affect their life at all. No, it's just you I'm feeding, feeding your my ch- kid. Yes. So, uh, would you rather him scream? Because he's very capable of that. Too. Right. That keeps him quiet. <laughs> that's, a, that's a better thing. Yes, you guessed it. That was Ellen on her show talking to Pink about breastfeeding. Just thought we'd shove that in there and point out all the great conversations that are now being had about um, feeding our babies, uh, but also point out a little sad, aggressive way that kind of silly that we've got to have these conversations don't we how do we think we survived for thousands and thousands of years i digress it is now time for one of my favorite parts of the show it's the featured song part and today's featured song was actually chosen by our wonderful guest kathy it is a song uh, by the once which is a newfoundland three-person band uh geraldine hallett is on the lead vocals and she has the voice of an angel. The Once is uh, very well known for its gorgeous three-part harmonies, usually, uh, but this song that we have chosen is just Geraldine singing. It's called uh, An Ode to a Broken Heart. It's from the album Row Upon Row of the People You Know. Uh, The group met while taking part in a theater company in Trinity, Newfoundland, and they've toured all over U.S., Canada, Europe, uh, and Australia. They're on tour now across Newfoundland and Canada. But what I love about The Once is it captures so much of what Newfoundland music is today with its wistful melodies and Irish undertones. Uh, In particular, The Once has foot-stomping shanties and heart-rendering ballads uh, and salt-aired interpretations. Uh, they have a new album out called Time Enough, uh, but the lyrics specifically in uh, for Ode to a Broken Heart, and I was kind of thinking the name for me would be Ode to a Healing Heart, but they're one and the same, aren't they? And it's just very short. It's a very nice kind of instrumental. Kathy picked it. It used to be um, her daughter's lullaby. She used to sing to her. Uh, it's a Newfoundland album that she has over in Italy. So it made, meant a lot to her. And the lyrics are... 
Sometimes all you have is wandering. Sometimes truth is hard to find. It doesn't mean you'll stop searching. All your journey needs is time. And you can let your heart get broken because there's no heart that time can't mend. There was love when your life started and there'll be love at the end. And I particularly loved uh, that because I love the idea of love being at, in the life when you started. That's, that's what kind of like the, if, if, if the universe is love, if creator is love or whatever version you think the spirit is love. And uh, so of course, when you were created and when a life is created, it is created in love and it will be there in the beginning. It'll be there in the end. And it's also in your heart right now. All there is love, my strong women. It is truly an honor to be on this growing, healing path with you. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Check out the Moon Program we're now offering at strongwomenco.com. And special thanks to Kathy uh, and all of her insight, passion, and great work. Uh, and don't forget to check out her site, Kalila dot co dot uk all right here's kathy's song and i think you're really gonna enjoy it until next time take care of yourself give yourself a break you are doing great make sure to tell yourself that today now take it away the once Love